So before I start my reflection, I'd like to repeat the words from the scripture that are still resonating in my head. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Ezekiel. And say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And they lived. I also keep thinking about Jesus saying to Martha, Remove the stone. And Martha replying, No, there's a stench. He's dead. Then he insisted, saying, Go ahead, take away the stone. At last, they removed the stone. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his head. Then Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Ezekiel's story is known as the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a powerful and prophetic vision where the prophet Ezekiel finds himself in a valley filled with dry bones, which represent the exiled and hopeless people of Israel. Through God's command, Ezekiel prophesies over the bones and they come back to life, representing the spiritual and physical restoration of Israel. The story of the raising of Lazarus is about one of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus. Lazarus had fallen ill and died before Jesus arrived in Bethany, where Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, lived. When Jesus arrived, Martha came to him and expressed her faith that if Jesus had been there, her brother would, ha would not have died. Jesus assured her that Lazarus would rise again and that he, Jesus, was the resurrection and the life. Jesus then went to the tomb where Lazarus was buried and commanded him to come out. To everyone's amazement, Lazarus emerged from the tomb, still wrapped in burial cloth. This miraculous event caused many people to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Now, I invite you to consider this scenario. If you want, close your eyes. Breathe. Breathe out, keep closing your eyes. Imagine you are suddenly teleported without understanding what's happening to you, and you find yourself alone in a valley, overwhelmed, confused, standing in an arid field that is eerily quiet, covered with the remains of deceased individuals, dry bones. This is a powerful and surreal experience. I cannot imagine being in Ezekiel's position. It is truly horrifying and unsettling as an experience. Or imagine finding yourself surrounded by a group of grieving individuals, and suddenly someone claims to be the resurrection and the life. This person then asks you to open a tomb that has already been sealed with the overpowering stench of a cadaver that has been dead for four days, filling it up. How would you feel in this situation? What thoughts would run through your mind? You may open your eyes. This is the invitation that the Bible extends to us today on the second 
Sunday of Lent, to reflect on times in our life where it seemed we were in the midst of a nightmarish situations, of impossible places where it felt all hope was lost, where it seemed everything died and death had prevailed over life, where hope was lost and the silence of death is only broken by the sorrowful weeping of broken hearts. You are lonely, you are scared. It doesn't necessarily mean a literal death. Someone might have lost a dear one, as is in deep grief and sorrow, like the two sisters in the story. Or someone just got news of a grave, incurable illness that left them standing in front of a void. Maybe one partner in a couple decided to break up and the other is left alone, shattered, lost, confused. Maybe someone lost a job and finds herself crushed under financial obligations alone. Yet, it seems that sometimes God meets us in these desolate places and in this wilderness of solitude, we might hear God's voice echoing through our desert of the heart, commanding us on a mission and to be God's voice, to prophesy and speak like into dry bones, our own dry bones, to remove the obstacles that stand in the way of God's plan. Or God might ask us to go and help others and try to remove their stone and remove their obstacles. In short, God wants us to be God's friends, acting on God's behalf, and to bring hope to ourselves or to those who are in despair. But in our text, it's a hope beyond hope. When everything is lost, God is saying to us, there is still hope. The stone that covered the entrance to Lazarus' tomb was incredibly heavy, as heavy as the burdens and obstacles we face in life. Sometimes our anxieties and insecurities drive us to bury ourselves under the weight of fear, fear of loneliness, fear of the future, fear of those who are different from us. We may also feel trapped by our debts, our past wounds, and the expectations of others that we no longer identify with. We can be trapped in a hatred cycle like the one almost splitting this nation into two parts, trapped in judgment of the other, trapped in darkness, trapped in our constant dissatisfaction and desire for more, which can also weigh us down, become our stone, leading us to a spiritual and mental death. Without realizing it, we become entombed in our own cave, like a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over the head, as described in the gospel. We become sealed off with our hearts turned into stone and our stench driving away even our closest friends and family. We become trapped in our own pride, our unchecked ambitions or abyssal despair, unaware of unaware, it's very important, that of what is happening to us, of what we have become, stuck in despair, hopeless, unable to see a way out, unable to know that we are drowning 
deeper and deeper. We need help. We need intercession. We need someone who can help bring us back from the dead. And who, in your opinion, will it be? Can you name someone? <laughs> Do you agree? Okay. I don't know, maybe Reverend <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is it Jesus? Is it the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Is it God? Yeah, sure. But what about the people surrounding us, around us? What about us? Do we have any role in all of this? The scripture reveals that God desires and enjoys teamwork. God wanted someone to speak out and prophesy over the dead bones for them to come to life in the valley of the dead. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the breast. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breast. Thus said the Lord God. God desired someone to intercede for Lazarus, to hope for Lazarus, to wish for Lazarus that he would not die, and to pray for Lazarus. Lazarus' family needed God to intervene, and God wanted the family and friends to team up with him. What does this mean for us? It means that we must be there for each other in good times and bad times, to support one another, to share in our friends' joy and to comfort them in their sorrows. We should not be arrogant or exclusive, but should make friends with everyone, regardless of their status or background. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans, for those who like the reference, chapter 12, 15 to 16. He says, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be great. Don't be a great somebody. However, even if we do the effort alone to help out, sometimes the stone is too heavy to move. And God's voice cannot reach a heart that is sealed with a rock. Jesus twice asked the mourners to remove the stone. Remove the stone. He said the first time. Then another time, go ahead, remove the stone. Sometimes we have to listen and come together collectively to be able to help. When they gathered up and removed the super heavy stone, the gospel says, God's voice was able to flow into the tomb and bring Lazarus back to life. God asked for our collective help to remove the stone so that the miracle could happen, the healing could take place, and resuscitation could become a reality. But we might ask, then what's God's role? What is he doing? If we are doing all the work. Let me illustrate my point with an example. Imagine a heart surgeon who needs to operate on a patient. Can they operate? without a team of other specialists and nurses. Someone does the anesthesia. Someone monitors the life-sustaining instruments. Someone hands the instruments. Someone blots out the excess blood. And all work together in tandem to bring the patient back to good health. The surgeon knows how to operate on the heart, but the team is essential 
for the procedure to succeed. This scenario applies almost to any other situation in life. I can think of the head of a research team in some university. They need a team. Or a nation's president, they need a total whole administration to run the country. And the same applies to God. Not that God cannot do everything alone, but it seems that God likes to have a family and friends and involve them in creation, in building the kingdom for a better world, so that we all work together. God calls out for everyone to team up, and some will pick up the whispers of her spirit and come forward. What emerges from today's text are four main points that need to be in check so that this partnership with God works out. The point one, Jesus said, do this. Martha said, no, I will not. He said again, do this. She said, no. And then she said, yes. So when she obeyed, the dynamics started happening. So the first thing we need to do to be able to team up with God is to obey God's commandment. This is what Martha was resisting when Jesus told her to open the tomb. It was an extraordinary request that Martha's mind couldn't process. And it's very normal that she resisted at first. But then her yes unlocked a chain of events that led to a wonderful happening. Now many might ask, oh, how can we know what God is commanding us today? We're not in front of a tomb and we try to go about our lives. Oh, how will we discern what is God's will? Let me read you Jesus' simple and brief answer from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, 34 and 35. Jesus said to his disciples, he was, going, he was going to the cross. It was the last dinner, the communion we had. Let me give you a new command. What is the new command? Please help me out. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. And here's a second answer from Jesus in chapter 15 of John. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very, very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. So in your opinion, what is God's commandment that we should obey? It's simple, no? <laughs> but you heard well, it's loving and caring. And you know what? This is a command as extraordinary to follow as Martha's removing the stone. It's not easy. And we will resist it. We would love one, two, three persons, our close circle, but it's very hard to open up to move our stone and become selfless lovers. Now to think about it in our own life. 
Let me ask you a personal question here. Try remembering, just look at your lifetime now of last month. Can you think of situations last month, last week, maybe today, now, where you or someone around you had a burden? Did you detect that stone weighing on your heart or on your beloved one's heart that needed removing? If yes, ask yourself, what did I do about it? So the first requirement to team up is obey God's commandment, which is? <laughs> the second requirement is trust in God's power. Obey and trust. You do your job of being present and ready to help out by caring and loving, praying and interceding working for more justice and more equality, and God will do his work by making it happen. Trust in God as God trusts you. If you are to go, an example, a medical procedure, I'm stuck to the medical procedures today. It's because I'm staying at a doctor's friend, a surgeon, so that's my inspiration. If you are to undergo a medical procedure, would you go ahead with the procedure if you do not trust the surgeon? Will you let him touch you? If you trust the surgeon, you will trust her with your life, literally. If you do not trust, you will not undergo any procedure and you will never let anyone touch you. I invite you now to take a moment and project also some difficulty in your life and ask yourself or difficult situations. How much do I trust God in this? And do I accept to be in that trust and let go of things that are beyond me and let God do the work? Or do I want to keep control myself, even if it's beyond me? So we obeyed and then we trusted. What should we do now? What's the third requirement to achieve the partnership with God? Well, it's to be in a community, just like now, and bond to each other. Most of us believe in God and need to feel the presence, but we also need a support system of loving and caring people with whom we can share a word, a laugh, a pain, a grief, a dream, a bite, just a gaze. The verb to believe comes from the Hebrew word, amen. It's to believe. When you say, like, amen, there's amen. And you know what to believe means? To believe. When Jesus said to the crowds or to the people, believe in me, believe in me, believe and you will find salvation, believe and you will feel better. The verb believe means to lean against me. When we say, I believe, when Jesus said, believe in me, Jesus is saying to us, lean against me. Put your weight on my shoulders. Put your weight In the same way, lean on your church and your community of family and friends. You will feel relieved. 
The fourth requirement is to stay watchful and alert and be proactive. You have the responsibility to observe yourselves first and be alert to your, to your well-being unless you slowly or lest you slowly sink and drown. You don't watch out, you get overweight, overburdened, and it's a burnout, you drown. And do the same for others. Sometimes others are overworking and we have to observe them and tell them, hey, hey, watch out, red flag. <laughs> Reflect on the power of re resurrection and how moving the stone in your own lives and helping others to move their stones can lead to new beginnings and a renewed sense of hope for those who reached the bottom of the pit. When God asked Cain about Abel, his slain brother, Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? God is telling you today, yes, you are. And you should act out if you detect any danger lurking around you or your sisters and brothers in humanity. He's giving us responsibility. Friends, our text today is about hope. But hope needs action. Actions initiated by the love and care of God for us. But it is us, uh, it's up to us to work for the change, to prepare the way of the Lord, the way of love. Today, are we enduring political polarizations? You tell me, I'm not a US citizen. Yeah. yeah? Is it alarming? Is immigration a human issue that needs to be addressed in this country? Are there people suffering from it? Do we need to work on racial justice and police reform to reach a place where there is a sense of equality and peace of mind for people of color in this country? Yeah. Well, yeah. I came to this reality actually six, seven months ago by a person telling me, oh, my kids are black and I'm afraid when they go out for a dinner, for a bite, for a thing, that they might not come back. Or some other person who told me, my grandson is nine years old, he's black. The person telling me is white, but his daughter is married to a black person. And we always recommend him, don't put your booty when you go out. Imagine. How's that? And that's in the States. Do we need to have gun control to those unending shooting of innocent children and people on school campuses, in colleges, in shopping malls? Do you think we need? Has climate change become concerning? All those fields are fields where we have to act. And that's on the largest scale. And then you can scale it down, scale it down, till it ends up being uh, looking up for the family or for ourselves. Today's message is that as long as we obey the commandment to love our fellow humans and care for creation and trust God, and as long as we want to translate that love into actions into our communities, 
as long as we want and accept to be the stone movers of the entrance of the tomb of darkness, there is hope. And if you add to this God's presence in the midst of us, hope then becomes a hope beyond all hope. Just go ahead and move that stone away. That's all what is requested. And be in peace and in love. May the words of my mouth, the love of God, and your love for each other, remove the stone that is keeping this world in darkness. And may the world resuscitate as a new world upon hearing the word of God. Amen. <laughs>